0: The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network.
1: It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six.
2: 207 2276 Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. Your list of match look live. Today's date is February 5th, 2024, for the podcasters. And if you if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877 207 2276. Easy to do. You can also email me. Just direct your email to infocarm.org. Info at carm, C A R M dot O R G subject title there you know radio question or radio comment no big deal and if uh, uh, okay and some of the stuff the questions that come in and if you want to give me a call, we have nobody waiting right now, 877 I want to remind you that we have some online schools that if you are interested in checking them out, they're not accredited in some college or university, they're self-paced, but I'm going to tell you, they're good stuff. If I was uh, asked to teach a college course, this is what I would do. I would have these lessons and I would go through them uh, because it's what I teach and it's... Uh, and these schools are the result of a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge. Uh, sorry, I won't you know, be braggy, but uh, you know it took me uh, six months to write each one. I've been doing this uh, for you over know, for 44 years. There's a lot of knowledge there. There's a lot of stuff put in there. I even want to go in and expand them a little bit here and there um, and add videos. That would be great, but that's a major project. Don't have time for that right now. Nevertheless, if you want to get those, you can just go to uh, schools.carm.org. And um, you can check them out. And what we say, what I tell people is, we charge thirty-three dollars for each one, so that uh, three, you know, thirty-three times thirty-three times three, excuse me, uh, would give ninety-nine dollars. And so what we do, because we have three schools, is we sell all three for seventy-five dollars. But I tell people that if you want them and you just can't afford them, all you have to do is email us and say you want the schools, you can't afford them, and can you have them for free? And we just give them to you for free. We just give you a username, password, and you have access to them. We're here to equip the body of Christ not to make money, but we do need to keep the lights on and pay the missionaries and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But uh, there you go. All right. So why don't you give me a call, 877-207-2276. I would appreciate your prayers uh, for myself uh, and my wife, but uh, it's been a rough uh, past week and a half, two weeks. And uh, just you know, just generically could use your prayers. Um, really could. I don't ask that very often at all. but there's just a lot of stress going on, and uh, just appreciate some prayers. All right, having said that, let me see. Maybe I'll what I'll do is get into some of the radio questions and comments. All right, here's one from Don. It says uh, I'm a long-time listener, enjoy your show a lot, but only one. But serious comment, but lot. But he only one. Okay, I don't know if it's you or the audio settings, but you have a wet mouth. <laughs> uh, it might be the uh, microphone. We had trouble with the microphone, and you know now that I'm paying attention to that, I wonder if there's something a setting there. Um, That's interesting because I I was actually thinking about using a different microphone. Um, But you get me thinking. Maybe someone out there knows microphones really well. I don't use a boom mic microphone. I use a headset with a boom mic that goes you know to the mouth, so that it's always the same location. So that's interesting. I wonder if someone knows how to take care of that or what that is. Uh, you could uh, give me, you know, a jingle, no, well, jingle. you could just uh, email me at info at org and say, yeah, here's what you did. this is, how you solve that, and things like that. Uh, it's like I have water in my mouth. Interesting, Might be, you know, we tried different mics, and some of them would work and some of them would not work. So here, let me try something here. I'm going to move the mic away. So let's see if that makes any difference. I just moved it you know, about about, uh, you know, about three inches away. All right, uh, just uh, don't be upset. <laughs> Not upset. I do appreciate comments like that because it is helpful. So I uh, turn the mic away. Tell me if that that uh, if that helps. Okay. All right. Let's see. I listen to your radio show when I'm in the car. At that time, thank you for your ministry. You recently mentioned you have information sheet. That oh, I'm prepping. Uh, Actually, I've spent an hour today uh, and yesterday, well, on Saturday, I've spent a couple of hours working on it. And today, maybe an hour and a half, I spent developing developing it. I have, let's see, I'm trying to find it right, where it goes, right here. So I have, man, a lot of stuff. And what I've been doing is... Is modifying it, alphabetizing stuff, and I have probably 200 items, 200 things. I've got categorizations that I've been working on. Um, there we go. So we have it: baby supplies, books, clothing, cooking supplies, communications, contacts, electronics, emergency stuff, entertainment, fire starting, cooking. You know, first aid, food. Oh, I get a lot of stuff in the food there fuel generators heat and warmth hygiene so a uh, lighting and all oh, you're just going through and so i've got how many categories have i got working on let's see i'm looking at this 27 28 28 categories including something that's tradable and what i need to do is uh find uh, i'm trying to think how to do this because there are certain things that you should get right away and then there's certain things well eh, whatever i think what i'm going to do is just put this list out there And I have some notes uh, attached to the top. This is, I'm not an expert in this, but this is just information I've been collecting for a couple, three years now, four years, and putting it together. And that's what I'm doing now, because someone asked me for this, and I started putting all my notes together into one place. And being the anal retentive kind of person that I am, I'm putting it in alphabetized outline form with uh, occasional hyperlinks Two things that this is what I'm talking about, this is it, this is that. And I have, let's see, how many more? I have, so I have over about 90, about 90 more things to add to the list. And so, anyway, I'm thinking about that uh, and which, and how to organize. So, you know, for the People who are interested please please be patient uh give me a few more days and i will be able to publish it so and it's just a list it's just a it's just a list uh, and i probably will put it under miscellaneous items and things like that prepping and have have it there and it is worth uh, it's worth preparing and i'm going to probably write an article to intro it just something uh, you know 100 200 words Uh, Is it Biblical to prepare? Uh, Does it mean we're not trusting God? No, it does not mean we're not trusting God. Uh, And I'll go through the the reasons why and the Biblical stuff. And various things. Uh, Some stuff is expensive. I have one item that's about six to seven hundred dollars. And another one's about four hundred dollars. And then some stuff is eight bucks. You know, just a variety of things. Um, So there you go with that. All right. so how about that for a nice little quick let me get back to the emails. All right. And let's see. Love the show. longtime listener question. Greg Bonson said that the Old Testament moral laws apply unless they are abrogated in the New Testament, like Peter's vision doing with the dietary laws. Hope I don't miss it, Rick. Okay. I don't know Greg Bonson's particular view on that exact thing, but I understand the sentiment of what is going on. Just think of this. There are three aspects of the law the moral law the civil law and the priestly the priestly deals with the priests and the sacrificial systems and how they were to dress and uh sacred oh you know sacred instruments and how to sanctify something for sacred use and so that stuff's done away with then we have the civil laws like um scales and not moving your neighbor's border stones and things like this and then we have the moral law. and that moral law is based on the character of God. So the moral law is sti- oh, excuse me, is still in effect. Now eating the dietary laws, um, that's not a moral law. So the dietary laws, uh, we could say that there's a, a fourth category, but some might say it's civil or priestly. But the dietary laws were for the reason, for the purpose of distinguishing the nation of Israel from the neighbors, from the foreign uh, neighbors. In so other words, food requirements as well as um, dressing requirements and don't mix certain fabrics. This was to designate a separation culturally and practically that the Jews would maintain so that through them as a maintained nation unto itself with its own things it did it would then stay more um, coherent within itself so that the Messiah could be born through this particular nation so those things are done away with as well so the three main categories of the law we could add dietary stuff and or I like to call it the separation requirements because there were things like say to the sons of Israel and these things are not for everybody but just for the nation of Israel and so I've written an article on that so uh, I might modify what I'm saying I say there's three main aspects of the law but you know I like to add the idea of the separation requirements because those are you know maybe a subdivision of the civil but uh, and maybe or of the moral so I don't know you know it just depends what the experts would say how they would like to categorize those I'd like to know what the Jews did as a categorization set, uh, thing but the separation laws the sanctification laws you could say and those are there um, so and some people might say that they're under the moral But anyway, I'm just talking out loud about it. So there you go. All right. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. All right. Here's another uh, question. Can you try to explain free will as it relates to Pharaoh and letting God's people go? In one verse, God tells Moses that that he knows Pharaoh will not let it happen. In other, it says God God hardened his heart. All right. So what we must do first is define our terms. So our terms uh, here would be basically free, free will. All right, so free will is the ability to make a choice that is not forced upon you, but is also consistent with your nature. And the reason I say that is because God has free will, and his nature is holy, and he cannot choose to sin. So we have to define what free will is in relationship to God, not ourselves. And so free will is the ability to make choices consistent with our nature that are not forced. So Pharaoh had free will. He was an unbeliever and he was a slave of his own sin. And no one forced him to do those things that uh, he was going to do. But with the plagues that came along, Pharaoh was weakening and say okay we'll let them go but God didn't want them to be let go yet and why well one of the reasons is uh, that the ten plagues could culminate in a destruction of the major deities used in the uh, Egyptian context and also culminate in the shedding of blood the lamb for the door that they would go through the death of the firstborn Jesus firstborn and so it typifies uh, the gospel. So God wanted this pattern in place, which is why he hardened Pharaoh's heart to further uh, accomplish his desire. There's the music. We'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. It's Matt Slick Live! Taking your calls at eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. 207 2276 Here's Matt Slick. Alright everybody, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Also, I just want to let you know that we stay on the air by your support if you're interested in you know, well, having the show continue and other things with the ministry, all you got to do is go to carm.org, C A R M dot rg forward slash donate, and all the information you needs right there. We ask five, maybe ten dollars a month donation if that's okay with you, recurring, because that way. We can plan budgets, and we do appreciate any donation. And we stay on the air by your support. We will be getting out uh, within the next week or this week the uh, end-of-year tax receipts that uh, people have donated. It takes a lot of work. Uh, My wife actually is the one who sits and just does hours of data entry, and then she gets everything ready. Then I have to do some fancy Excel stuff. And I have to do a VLOOKUP thing, and then that takes me a couple hours. I do verifications, and once that's done, then I have to call up a friend who knows a certain program really well for mass emails, and we do that. And so it just takes a bit, but we're, we're working on it. All right. So if you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Let's get to Rob from Pennsylvania. Rob, welcome. You are on the air.
1: How are you doing, Matt?
2: Oh, hang on. Um,
1: I'll get right to hang it. Uh, I, I know you've had some uh, past experience with going to seminary, but uh, I've been having some discussions with like my brothers in Christ. Uh, I keep getting pushback uh, when I say that there should be like alternative routes to, to be ordained besides just seminary. And uh, it seems like whenever I push on that button, uh, ultimately they end up arguing that seminary is the only sound way to develop a biblical pastor that's not true Uh, the, the
2: sound way of developing a biblical pastor is the man who is on his knees constantly before God and the word of God asking for God to open his heart and mind and study and study and study that's what really it is seminary is very useful now I went to seminary it was very difficult and the three-year program on a masters level and I learned a great deal and I benefited from it greatly but uh, a lot of times like for example Calvary Chapel pastors they generally don't have seminary degrees and they do very well I wish they did go to seminary because a lot of times they say things that aren't as theologically precise as I'd like to see but they have uh, strength in other areas they're very relational, for example, and good at counseling. And a lot of this is just done by, by experience. So a lot of times, for example, in Calvary Chapel, I'm just using them as an example, people will, will attend there, and with their giftings, they often get recognized over a period of years. And they get elevated to varying positions. And what that is, is what's called the manifestation of the internal call. So generally in ministry, there's what's called an internal and an, and an external call. The internal call is you feel the need to teach. Maybe to be in ministry, you be a pastor, you're opening your heart to God saying, "Lord, please use me, if this is your will. You feel something, an inner call. The external call is the people around you recognize that you're called to be a pastor. And so when both the internal and external calls are manifested, then what's happening is the body of Christ is recognizing the gifting God has given you. You don't need a seminary degree for that. You don't need a college degree. You don't need any degree. The, uh, the disciples didn't have any degrees except to say they were discipled by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and then they went out. So there was a bit of training, and pastors do need to train. and. I mean, just from saying this, I would like to be able to uh, write a coursework for training for pastors on the theological level that is, is easy to to know and understand so they can see the interrelatedness of theology so that they can better produce sermons and Bible studies. I'm not saying I get all the answers, but let's just say that I've heard a lot of uh, pastors over the years and it's like, mm-hmm. Uh, not quite, you know. They missed that point there. But then, you know, ten minutes later, might be listening to a sermon, and they'll teach me something I didn't know. So, I don't know. I don't know if that helps at all. But, but there you go. Okay.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just that uh, you know, in my studies of church history and what I see in Scripture, it just seems more like a, a viable option would be apprenticeship. Like, it, I yes. mean, when you read Timothy and Titus. Mm-hmm. Kind of, kind of seems like they just kind of sat with Paul um, while he was being a pastor. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of taught them, and then he turned them into leaders after right. you know, kind of having hands-on experience with some teaching. That's right. Does it really, you know I mean? I'm not saying that it has to be done that way, but i say it's at least a viable thing that I see in Scripture where mm-hmm. in a seminary it'd be tough to say that that's strictly derived from Scripture. Right. Uh, seminaries are very useful
2: but some seminaries are bad and they teach crud. The one I went to was extremely orthodox and very very dedicated to the the uh, inspiration of Scripture and the authority of Scripture. And I did benefit and I'm not an as seminary. I don't recommend everybody go there but anyway. So when I was in seminary John Frame, Professor John Frame, he made a comment but best of my recollection it was him about a new way of doing seminary. And it was what you were saying. It was discipleship. Now, they had discipleship programs. You weren't supposed to work in a church during a seminary time. But I think what you're saying is the biblical way. You just latch on to somebody, and he teaches you for year, two, three, four, five, until he says you're ready.
1: That kind of thing. OK. Well, thank you for your time, sir. Thank you.
2: Okay. Let me ask you, Rob, because uh, we have nobody waiting right now, um, are you thinking about becoming a pastor?
1: Uh, I've thought about it ever since I discovered you um, eight years ago. Wow. So, you you're, Wait, since you discovered me. So now I'm
2: curious. Um, and what about my radio show, I guess? It prompts you to possibly think about going into the ministry. Just curious.
1: We're a lot alike. Um, I'm more of a logical-based person. I probably am on the spectrum somewhere. Um, yeah. So people, not a strength, but theology is. Oh, um, okay. You Basically, I kind of count you like Paul as my spiritual father, though we don't agree on everything. But, yeah, I, I would say you kind of, when I was a atheist, then God spoke to me and converted me you're kind of one of the first people that kind of start teaching me what the Bible teaches. Oh. Well, praise God, you
2: know. It's, it's nice that God uses people on the spectrum to uh, to help others. So praise God, but let me let me tell you something. You've probably heard me say this before, that if you want to go into ministry, you need to be willing and able, not just willing, but also able to deal with people who are Christians who love the Lord and will stab you in the back they will hurt you they will speak evil of you while they're trying to be good and you have to love them I'm going to get back from the break here I'm going to talk about that because that's a side of ministry nobody talks about but it's a very important one I'll expand it a little bit if you want to hold on Hey, folks, there's the uh, the break. Bottom of the hour, if you want to give me a call, 877 207 We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live! Taking
1: your calls at eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. 207 2276 Here's Matt Slick.
2: <laughs> Okay, sorry. Uh, let me explain. I, this happens every now and then I start laughing after we, <laughs> in, the, in the chat, so this guy named Randall says, okay, man, because I corrected his grammar on something. And uh, he said, his speak is slow. And I wrote, your speak is slow? You know, give him a hard time. And he goes, okay, man, it's on. And uh, I said, I'm going to check my grammar. So I said, um, uh, lol, good. You're going to judge grammar more fastly and gooder. And then... Um, he wrote education is important, but fishing is more or fishing is importanter. And so I got a kick out of that. Right when I was getting ready here. So but it's a good point though. Fishing is more importanter. So hey Rob, are you still there, buddy?
1: Yes, I am, sir.
2: All right. So look, um, I just gotta tell you something, okay? If you're on this spectrum like I am, and you have Asperger's like I do you know, it's going to be an extra challenge. One of the things about ministry is you have to deal with people, and people are sinners, and so if you have a weakness in a certain area, where you, because of of a spectrum disorder, whatever it is, and you don't know body language, you don't know tones, you don't know social cues as well, that's going to be a detriment. I'm not saying don't don't become a pastor. I'm just saying you'll become a detriment. But if people know you have this problem, generally they're they're very uh, very good to deal with, and, and very giving. So, but we we excel in our weaknesses as well as our strengths, it just as we can fall in our weaknesses as well as our strengths. So, you know, just to pay attention, just to have that. But this here's the thing. Uh, I can cite you, you know, experiences in various things. This is a side of ministry few people are aware of. You're going to be dealing with people, and you're going to Calling them up, counseling them, and you'll be giving your best to them. In your sermon, your very best. And you offended somebody, and you have no idea why. And you are willing to talk to the person and make it right, but they won't talk to you. And then they start going into the people and talk about how bad you are. And so now what do you do? You go to the person and you talk. But if you kick the person out because they are unrepentant and gossiping, then it looks bad on you. You go to your fellow elders and you raise it to the elders. Now the elders want to get involved. And it can make you look bad because it looks like you're trying to get them. And you may give word of something that you said in private that's out of context. And because you've you've got the honor of not telling people what is said in, in private. As in a counseling session, you can't really defend yourself too much. And so, while they're doing what they think is right, and you have to do what is right, you're the one who gets drugged through the mud and made it to look bad. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I've experienced that. I'm very... Uh, My strength is uh, truth and bluntness, and uh, I think that we're in a season where we need men in the pulpit willing to say what needs to be said and not care so much about how it makes people feel to a certain degree, and uh, that's definitely a strength of me, but it also gets me in trouble sometimes because people don't like to hear that necessarily all the time.
2: What is that like, to be getting in trouble for things you've said that are truthful, biblical I wonder what that's like
1: uh, sometimes I can I, it can send me spiraling because I you know if enough people say something you, you at least want to consider that maybe there's something I can do uh, a different way I could say it mm-hmm. And you kind of get inside stuck inside mm-hmm. in your head about kind of go over your head of like how to say it better or mm-hmm. something like that and then I usually just chalk it up to like I'll I don't really know how to solve that really issue right and then you give it to God and you move
2: forward and then another problem you have to deal with is not the people but yourself because then in this situation I just said which I've experienced many pastors have experienced um, then you, you have to deal with your own anger and pride and self-righteousness that always surfaces and. And you realize that God is allowing a, a trial to come to you, to expose more of what you are, to yourself and to Him, and you have to deal with that, and that's even harder. That's even harder.
1: Yeah, and and, uh, not even, like in my opinion, the spiritual attacks is more of like something that I, I face pretty often. Like, okay. wouldn't say possession, but I would say oppression. Be, yeah. um. Mm-hmm attacked mm-hmm. you know the temptation and stuff like that i mm-hmm. uh, i know that especially in the last three years i've really faced a lot of that how old are you if i can ask um about to turn 40.
2: wow you sound young 40 is a good age and uh, if you're 39 that's the number of mercy in the bible i don't know how old you are but exactly but that's the number of mercy and 40 is a general thing of a of a generation where new things come in so you know whatever I like numbers okay and uh, I'm 67 so I'm ancient I'm up there but uh, you know the thing to do is be praying and just ask God to shape you for wherever he wants you to go wherever that will be and however it will be and whenever it will be and it is it's hard it is It's
1: constant. Well, I I certainly appreciate the advice. Uh, Certainly God's been working on me the last year and a half of being better with people and uh, having more of a heart for people and and learning um, to recognize opportunities to address concerns and stuff like that that I didn't usually spot before. Yeah.
2: God has a way of revealing things trials and tribulations are often a thing that um, Reveal two things they reveal more about yourself and they reveal more about God. I like what I find in God I never like what I find in myself never So yeah, this
1: is I'm not a fan of myself through. either What's that? I, I said I'm not a fan of myself either whether when it's in comparison to the Christ, you know, yeah you. You know, kind of not to not to take Paul's words and use it towards me, but yeah, we all. I think if you really know and understand the law, and then you look at yourself, if you don't not like what you see, you're, you're not really understanding the law. Right. Well, good
2: for you, Ben. Good for you. And I would recommend that you study excessively to know your doctrines very well. They will become the skeleton upon which ministry. Is is uh, produced? People don't think that that's the case. They think, oh no, just love people. That is a doctrine to love God, love your neighbor. This is doctrine. All of it is doctrine because it's the revelation of God's word, and people need to know it well. So, anyway, okay.
1: Well, what would you say is the best way to refresh yourself on on on, on like doctrine, like like like? No, oh. I've read a lot, a lot of books, Matt, uh, but. Like what's the quickest way that you would recommend if somebody has like a lot of knowledge? What's the quickest way I could jump into a book and just refresh? Write one. So
2: what I would recommend you do is take your knowledge and put it in an outline form because that's something that you will then have permanently. You can go to Google Docs and you could just create an outline. I use Microsoft Word and I have it stored on the web. And I have uh, like my, my document for example on Roman Catholicism is 201 pages. I've been working on it constantly and it's just going, going to grow. It's going to continue to grow. So knowledge is something that we get exposed to and we need to retain. So what I recommend is what you know put in an outline form you know you can soteriology, theology, anthropology, um, our theology, and you you study you do whatever groups, whatever system you do and you write down what you know, you do quotes from books, you do whatever it is because that will cause you to have to remember and to codify and understand how different theological perspectives relate to each other. And then I'd recommend you go into online chat rooms. Where people deny those doctrines, and then you teach, you answer questions, you do apologetics. That's what I do three, four, five times a week, for an hour or two.
1: And yeah, this is why I, I have so much I, in I my mean, head
2: because of that. You
1: know yeah, I've been. I would say out of those ten years, I would say about five or six. I I try to do that as much as I can. Although, Good. in my experience uh, over those ten years. It gets harder and harder to have real conversations with people. People look for quick ways to get out of conversations that are actually in depth. And it's much more surface level than when I first started. Then you go into places where unbelievers are, and false uh, Christians,
2: like Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, or Oneness Pentecostals, or... Uh, liberals, women, believe in women, pastors, and elders. You pick one topic and you discuss the bejeebers out of it for a week or two with your outline open, adding uh, what you learn and articulate in there. This is how you anchor it. Okay, buddy? There's the, uh, there's the Okay. God bless. Thank Enjoy you. Enjoy talking to you, Rob. God All bless. Right. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. The last segment of the hour, give me a call, 877-207-2276. It's Matt Slick Live. Taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's
1: Matt Slick.
2: All right. Welcome back to the show. As usual, we're having fun in the text chat. When I said I was 67 and old, people started talking fossils. (laughs) What do I fit in? And uh, then someone said that they were non, let's see, they don't identify as, they're non-Bidenal and uh by like i said hey i'm non-bidenarian so I identify as non-bidenarian so <laughs> we're we're having fun and then we had to define what bidenarianism is you know it's uh the ideology of spitting in the face of citizens giving away our assets regarding illegals or rewarding illegals raising taxes hating goodness promoting homosexuality punishing the good you know basic bidenarianism All right, let's get to Monique from here we go. Come on close that right there There we go Monique from Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome you're on the air
3: Hello, hello Um, Good evening, of course, Mm -hmm. I um, Actually had one question but then the gentleman talking if you could and would answer kind of both their apropos not of one or the other but um, when he was talking about the uh, being an apologist in dealing with people. And I've had that question too, if apology, being an apologist is more, obviously, of course, giving out the word of God, that focus is more on the, the, the fact and the truth of the scripture, um, per se, and then not necessarily ministering to the person as in the kind of heartfelt, as we would call it, ministering to. So, where i'm going the hebrews let me read it so
0: it's clear
3: when he talks about um hebrews five okay starting uh, start here for every high priest taken among uh, men is ordained um in the things pertaining to god that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins but here's the part who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way for that he himself is also compassed with infirmity, and you had made the comment about, you know, dealing with people that are Christians and who love God, but then will, you know, totally stab you in the back. Um, Is that component described in Hebrews, though as I understand it is specifically talking about the pastor uh, position, does that incorporate itself into apologists? Um, no, no,
2: this is about just, uh, the issue of the high priest and uh, That the high priests uh, are to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin He can deal gently and ignorant with the ignorant and misguided since he himself is also beset with weakness Now, you know You could say this is the kind of idea that an intercessor would do and if you call a pastor an intercessor in that sense Then yeah, it would apply, but it's uh, mainly for the issue of the high priest and sh- uh, What I okay. believe what Hebrews is doing is showing the necessity of having the true high priest which is jesus christ he's he's talking to the issue of the high priest but there's the principle there you know right. and gently with the ignorant misguided um, and you know compassionately since he also is beset with weakness and i think this is one of the reasons god lets us go through trials but boy to uh, temper us so yeah i think there's uh, i think you could i think you could apply it now I'm thinking about it okay
3: somewhat of a, like a correlation. And yes, I do understand, you know, the high priest is talking about how, like where the Lord is not, not touched with the feeling of our infirmities and that thing. And, and so thank you for that. So I was just wondering how much of it, uh, weighs in, I guess there's no written rule, but how much of it weighs in for an apologist, um, who's, main mission or i should ask you then the what is the main mission of the apologist instead of me assuming kind of putting it together what, for I sure, myself
2: what would I sure you, understood the question what, what's the question if you'd say it in a sentence what was it
3: yeah yes so what would you say is the said for lack of a better term uh purpose of an apologist
2: to defend the christian faith uh, <laughs> to equip christians to give answers um, it could be defensive and offensive Okay. Hmm.
3: Okay. 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 That I can kind of put it together. And the other one, like I said, had nothing to do with that. Um, you've been obviously real vocal and and is strong on your stance about women preachers and right. and that kind of a thing. My question would be: so, in the context of just the personal home, you know, um, in a marriage, and um, of course, either person could learn from the other person. But right. if a woman is, for all effects, teaching her husband out of a, um, you know, a prescriptor- per- the pers- uh, specific scripture um, and just more of a discourse of just really kind of teasing out something for him, would that be obviously not in a domineering attitude right. but would that be considered a preaching to your husband no.
2: or would it be no, more no, no, of a no, ministry no, no, or fine. no that's fine um so let's just say we have a woman who's uh, a, she's a christian for several years and then he gets saved he's going to go to her and rightfully so and say what about this what about that and she'll she'll be teaching him right and that's okay But the context of women not being pastors and elders is in spiritual authority over men. So she's not to be in spiritual authority with her husband. She's still under his authority, and it's a delicate balance Mm -hmm. to work in such a situation. But if she were to elevate him as she's supposed to do with respect and honor, whether she likes it or not, she's supposed to do that. It'll have a very good effect on Mm -hmm. the man. Most women don't know that and don't want to do that because they're so emotionally led that they don't care. And they got to deal with that. That
3: yes. Yeah, you, I've never related done. to that. I always think that's yeah. strange because I've never related to that feeling. Of course, I'm a believer and have been for a while. But that—that mm-hmm. that answers. Yeah. So, so sure. when, just to clarify, so when she's teaching him maybe a, a scriptural principle that he doesn't understand, sure. but not, of course, in a domineering way, and not, right. of course, letting that lead her to think that she's, you know, going to be the yeah. one to steer everything. Um, I would think that would still be in a rightful sure. way, in a, a loving way, yeah, in course, the truth yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. well, you know, my, okay. my wife can't
2: really go to church right now, mm-hmm. so yesterday, Sunday, we had a little devotion, and then we had communion. And I asked her, you pick the scriptures, whatever you want to go through, and we went through Hebrews chapter 4, the entire chapter, and read through it. So, you know, I know a lot of stuff, so I'm generally the one who would teach. All right let's just say that she would say well i think this might mean this or that i would instantly start listening because she might have an insight that i don't have she might have an insight from the lord that i just missed and so i go and if she did which she has done before over the years i was like oh that's a good insight in that verse uh i I certainly accept it she's not in spiritual authority over me she's just exercising her gifting that god has given and that's fine and that's fine, and, and we mentioned yes not, okay, we should not neglect uh the wisdom that our wives uh, often have, okay we should not we should okay have just, i'm just, I'm really
3: glad to hear that, because it would seem some people actually do get that out of balance, like if you, if you tell them anything, then now you're quote preaching to them or not even that, but taking authority, right. taking the position of authority simply because you oh. just know more no more been with the lord uh longer mm-hmm. deeper. I would think that would be a good thing, and uh, and I know well, the scripture also says, this? you know, you win them with the conversation of your, you know,
2: your even, your even
3: silently sometimes.
2: Yes, which is very powerful if they would do it properly. So um, here's the thing, let's say my my wife, uh, you know, she's not able to do a whole bunch, so she's in bed a lot, she reads. Let's say she reads and gets interested in a particular topic, a biblical topic, and she just goes to town and learns for two weeks. And she said, well, I've learned, learned a lot. I'm going to say, well, what have you learned? And I'd be delighted for her to say, well, I learned this. I learned, oh, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. You know, that's how I would receive it, as long as it wasn't heretical. Yeah,
3: that,
1: that's
3: uh, yeah. that's great. I learned not to assume. I would think that's how any godly uh, man in a marriage would, would do that. But, yeah. okay, I just wanted to um, hear your thoughts on, on both sure. of those, and okay. I appreciate it. That's okay. good, and I do. I've always prayed for your wife ever since you uh, mentioned about her some time ago. Um, very deep connection to praying for that, because I, I walked through that yet alone, but I walked through yeah. that. So much props to her, and thank you for seemingly uh, being a good husband to her.
2: Well, I'm trying. I'm not perfect, that's for sure, but I'm trying. That's
3: all well, you good. can do. All you that's can right. do. So praise God for that, and I pray that continues and and blesses and blesses you both, and that she gets right out of that bed according to the will of God. And God bless you. Thank you for answering the question. You too.
2: Well, God bless. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Well, that was Monique from North Carolina. Let's get on with Julie from North Carolina as well. Julie, welcome. You were on the air.
0: Hi. How are you doing?
2: Hanging in there. Can you hear me? (laughs) Yes, I can. I can hear you fine.
0: Okay, um, I, I'm just driving down the road, and I don't know I'll turn the radio on and there you are. I don't know how that happens But uh, I was wondering I had a question. Um, I heard you saying you listed a lot of Christian denominations that you call were fake Christian mm-hmm. Christians I, what, which ones are they exactly?
2: Roman Catholicism is not true Christianity Eastern Orthodoxy is not true Church of Christ is cultic, United Church of Christ is cultic, Uh, United Pentecostal is bad. Generally speaking, churches with the word united in them, as a rule of thumb, are liberal and are bad, though the United Reformed Church is a good church. And then there's Presbyterian churches which are good, and then there's some that are bad, like the PCUSA, Presbyterian Church United States of America, for example. And then there's the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church. Evangelical church, L- e- e- L- Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. And that's a, a bad group, also. So there's a lot of liberal ones. United Methodist is very bad. Episcopalian is. is uh, you kind of take your, your your gambling with which group you're in, which church you're in there.
0: Wow. Okay. All Christ based churches you are considering bad. You know, I heard you one time saying that Billy Graham was evil. You think he's
2: evil, no, no, no. too? No, 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 he wasn't evil. I heard he you did say make that. Some okay. theolo- he made some theological mistakes later in his life. He said some things that were not biblically uh, said. Well, uh,
0: even the apostles even the apostles didn't agree on everything. But uh, well, uh, No, 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 you no, that's
2: different. No, 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 that's different. Billy Graham said it was basically teaching uh, a form of universalism at the end and inclusivism and some other stuff. We we'll, won't we'll get into all that, so that's wrong. Inclusivism. Doesn't mean that inclusivism. It doesn't mean... That's
0: it. a good thing, actually. You want to include all the kids at a party, you know, things like that in school and stuff like that. I, I can't and, understand And, you know, the Bible you. says, at least God loves the liberal, God loves a liberal and giving spirit, so it's not an evil thing. No, liberal no, is not wait, evil. No, wait, wait,
2: hold on, hold on. The Bible doesn't say God loves a liberal. It doesn't, never says that.
0: It doesn't love, love the liberal spirit, or love a, a giving spirit, a liberal, yeah, a liberal giver. Yes, he does.
2: No, yes, it does. It's a, a different use of the word. Yes, it does. No, no, no. I said he doesn't you say know, to love he, the liberals, as in liberals. You know, the leftist You're very
0: political. You're really political. You're really far crazy right. You know. um well, What would you call you, back you tomorrow? A lot
2: people. I would love to talk, you to, you. And, and you know talk hus- to you. I'm very rightist. Let's talk to you. husband says, we're, "We're almost out of Listen to you. You're,
0: you're, you're crazy. What about? you am listening? crazy.
2: You mean I, because I believe the no, Bible? Uh, what do you believe?
0: No, because you hate on a lot of people? You hate on a lot of people. I oh. I, I I listen to Are you hating on music me? Music or song? Are you hating on calling me? You I'm, oh, calling I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out. I'm you. I guess what? Why don't you call My husband doesn't Why are you so rude? I am not Stop talking. T- okay, husband-
2: wait a second. Wait the call. I th- look, you won't even let me I'm say anything on my own my show. Husband. Okay, we got to go. Bye. Oh, that's often how liberals are. They don't want to have conversation. They just want to control. And uh, I'm hoping she still listens. And I would hope, because we're out of time here. We've got to go. The music going to go here in a second. I would hope that she would call up tomorrow, and maybe she'll be more polite, and we can have a, an adult conversation. I would love that. I politely challenge her to do that. Let's see if she can back up her liberal views and see if they're uh, cogent or not. But I like like when people call me up like that. I do. I enjoy that. So anyway, may the Lord bless you and by His grace. We'll be back on here tomorrow.
0: Another program powered by The Truth Network.